Well, hey everyone, you're tuned in to the Philippi Sermons Podcast. We're currently in a series through the book of Acts. If you want more information about our church, head over to philippichurchgp.com. There you can also find a link to our other Conversations podcasts, where we interview people and have Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused conversations. Hey, may the Lord bless you and speak to you as you take in His Word. been discouraged lately. There are a lot of people that are discouraged right now. And so um, when, when Sam texted me yesterday, I didn't know exactly what I was going to share, but as I began to pray and spend time with the Lord, the pieces that, were, that God had already put there had begun to, to, to fit together into something that I'm going to share with you today. And it's something that um, means a lot to me, specifically right now, um, because right when uh, Sam had asked me to talk, uh, a share, um, I had received uh, some of the most discouraging news uh, of my life, actually, yesterday, um, uh, about an individual that doesn't live here. Um, and it was, the timing was interesting because the topic that I'm going to be talking to you about today from Scripture is encouragement. So in that place, when I'd already made the decision to, God had made the decision to have me share about encouragement, I was facing discouragement. Um, in fact, even last night, I'm just going to share with you and be honest, um, I, I couldn't even sleep very well. I mean, I was, I was up thinking about um, this individual and just praying for them, and I'm um, just just broken and feeling their pain, uh, literally just feeling their pain as if I were them. And um, uh, what I'm going to talk to you about today, what I'm going to do today right now, is an opportunity for me to practice um, what I'm going to preach. I get to encourage you um, when I was hit with some some discouragement. Uh, so I'm excited to jump in. I, it's a privilege too to talk to you today. Um, and again, it's, it's not going to be a long oration or a big, long sermon because there wasn't much time to prepare, but, but I, I hope that nevertheless, it's, it's the quality the, the, uh, that matters, um, not the quantity. So, encouragement. Uh, you might be thinking, well, Matt, why would you talk about encouragement? That sounds like sort of a, maybe a fluffy uh, subject. Like, um, you know, when you hear the word encouragement, maybe you think of, just, you know, flattery or something like that. Just say fluffy, nice words to people to make them feel better. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. Um, God takes encouragement very seriously, and I'm going to talk to you today and hopefully convince everyone who's listening that encouragement is, is very important. In fact, God is the one who invented encouragement. He's the one who came to us and encouraged us when we were discouraged, um, and he has invited us to do the same for others. There was a guy who was in lockdown. He had to stay in his house. He was alone, separated from those he loved by thousands of miles, about 4,600 miles to be exact, uh, a lot further than, than the four to six miles I'm separated from many of you by. 
And I'm referring to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was on house arrest in Rome in about the year uh, AD 62. He was there by force against his will. And he was there a lot longer than two months. He was there about two years on house arrest in Rome. What was Paul's reaction to being in lockdown? What was his perspective during this time, this painful situation that he was finding himself in the middle of? What was he doing with his time? One of the things that he did while on lockdown was he wrote a letter to a group of believers in the city of Philippi. He wrote the letter of Philippians. And in that letter, he encouraged these believers when he was in lockdown in a place where you would think he would have been discouraged. And it, it seems backwards. How can it be that the one who should be discouraged is encouraging others? The one who is restricted is sharing freedom with those who aren't in the place that he's in. It seems backwards. It should be the other way around, you would think. Who is caring for Jesus when he was in the most pain of his life, on the cross, dying for the sins of the whole world? Who is looking out for his needs? Who is encouraging him? No one. In fact, he was encouraging others. If you recall, Jesus there on the cross looked down to the disciple who he loved as he was called, John, and his mother, Mary, and he said, Mary, your son, and, and, and John, your mother. He was caring for his own mother, knowing that he would not be with her to take care of her any longer. At, down to the very last moment of his life, in the most excruciating pain, pain that none of us hopefully never have to experience, Jesus was thinking about others. He was caring for others. He was encouraging others at the very end of his life in that place of pain. So, I, I, I tell you, um, man, when we look around and what we see around us, especially right now in, in people, in the world, circumstances, the situation we find ourselves in, it's discouraging. No doubt about it. No denying that. That's just the reality. But when I've been let down and really just burdened in heart by something that I'm facing, I can do a number of different things. I, I face some options, some choices at that point. I can continue to dwell on that which discouraged me in the first place, and I will admit that that is often what I do. Uh, it, it seems ridiculous. Why would I focus on that which brings discouragement? But I do it all the time. Maybe you can relate. I can, maybe another option is I can just try to ignore what I'm facing. And we all know that that doesn't work. It doesn't go away. No matter how much we want the pain and the problem to go away, it won't go away. It just stays. No matter how much we push it down, no matter how much we try to brush it under the, car, the rug, whatever the case is, it's still there. But there is another option. When we face things that are too heavy for us, we can come to Jesus. 
we can turn to someone who is stronger than us, someone who was, who is built to carry a burden that I was not built to carry. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 11. It's a verse that many of you are familiar with. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus speaking, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus extends an invitation. He extends it to, his words are, all who labor. The invite is not, it has no exceptions. His invite is to everyone. All are invited, but not everyone comes, sadly. And the reason is that not all come is because not all are like little children. In the context of this passage, Jesus had been speaking to the Pharisees who couldn't get past their own intellect. They refused to have a change that went from here to here. And so he said to them, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, several times. Verse 21, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to who? Little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. My wife shared a, a very appropriate metaphor with me uh, this morning, actually, uh, in relation to this topic, this concept of coming to Jesus as little children. Um, she said, it's, it's, it reminds me of coming to um, like a food bank or a soup kitchen and just coming with literally no money coming and, and saying, I am in need of food. I'm in need of drink. But too often, we are in that place where we're too prideful. We're too arrogant to come to Jesus and say, I need your help. To, to I, just acknowledge what is reality. Because if Jesus said that all are invited to come, guess what that means? All need to come. All, no exceptions. Everyone needs to come to Jesus to find respite from their labor, relief from their burdens. He's the only one that can carry burdens that are beyond me, beyond you. So often it is easy to turn to something else, to someone else, but he is the only one that can actually take those burdens from us. Interesting that he says, 
Come, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's no parenthetical, there's no parentheses there that says, if you labor and are heavy laden with certain things only. So not only is the invitation without exception, but it's also without exclusion. He says, come with anything, come with everything that you have. It doesn't matter. Just if you're labored, are you burdened, then you qualify to come. You don't have to fix yourself before you come to Jesus, the one who fixes us. He's the one who fixes us. We come as children. We come as, when my son comes to me, he doesn't say, dad, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pay the mortgage. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. I'm going to go ahead and figure out how to go to the grocery store and decide which groceries are needed. And I'm going to pay with the credit card that I don't have for groceries that I don't know that I need. No, he doesn't do that. He just, he just comes to me for what he needs. He doesn't try to figure it out. He just comes as a child. Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Of such, those who are like little children. So it, it takes us coming as in that mindset, in that, in that heart. And sometimes it's not an easy thing to do. In fact, most of the time it's not easy. I don't know about you, but it's my tendency when burdened to actually not come to God. Um, there, there's, this, there's this weird sense sometimes that, you know what, what I'm going through, maybe it'll just kind of wear off. Maybe if I just wait long enough, I'll feel better. Maybe uh, these burdens will just naturally kind of roll off of me. You know what? Even when I give my burdens to Jesus, they have a tendency to come right back. Burdens are sticky. I don't know if you've experienced that or not. They don't tend to just kind of roll off. They tend to hang on. And when I come to Jesus, something happens. I don't even know how to explain it. And if you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, I invite you to find out. Um, When we come to the Lord with our burdens, with our discouragement, he just takes them. And I can't even logically explain how it happens. It just happens. I, I walk in with all this stuff, and I leave without it. And, and, and I don't only just leave without it, but I, I leave with joy. I come in with sadness, downcast. I come out with my head up, not in a prideful way, but in a, but in a joy-filled way. And I can't even describe how, why it happens or how it happens. And maybe you can relate to this. Um, but, but in that place, when we are in the most need, it is the knee-jerk reaction of every single human being to not come. It is to hold back and to try to figure it out. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Speaking of Jesus, since then we have a great high priest, uh, Hebrews 4, 14, since, we, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens and ascended. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession our confession. Let us hold fast to what we believe. Let us not waver from what we have already claimed to believe. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is, who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He's empathetic, but he's also sinless. He's perfect. 
Let us then with confidence or boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. When? When are we supposed to come? When are we supposed to come to find grace and mercy? What does it say? Verse 16. If you have your Bibles, you see it. In time of need. Not when things are good. Not after I've waited till things kind of, you know, get better on their own because that's a lie. Jesus says, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your weakness, in the middle of the deepest despair you have maybe ever faced in your life, he says, come and bring that to me. Bring it all. And when we do that, something happens. We, (laughs) a very unfair exchange happens. I give Jesus my burdens. It's very unfair for him. And he gives me his peace, his joy. I receive something that I don't deserve. I receive something that actually he deserves. He takes what I deserve. I deserve to keep my burdens. And he gives me what he has, his lightness, his his levity, his joy. It's not fair, but he does it anyway. So I have a question. As we come, to Jesus. How is it then possible for us who are in, on lockdown right now, although not as severe as Paul was, to encourage others like Paul did and like Jesus did? How is that even possible? Because it seems really extreme and backwards that those who are discouraged should and can encourage. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, which I referenced earlier, he said this in chapter 2, verse 1, rhetorically, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, is there any encouragement in Christ? Yes, that's the only place encouragement is found, actually. Paul said, if there's any encouragement in Christ, and there is, verse 3, skipping ahead, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's exactly what Paul was doing. He was not thinking about the condition that he was in, the situation that he was stuck in, literally stuck. He was thinking about people 4,600 miles away in the town of Philippi, thinking about their needs, longing to be with them, praying for them, encouraging them through a letter. I'm so encouraged that today we have Zoom meetings and YouTube and uh, text messages and phone calls, so much more than Paul had. Yet he went out of his way to write this letter to encourage other people, even though he was the one who should have been discouraged. So simply put, when the only way Paul was able to be encouraging to others is because he met encouragement himself. Encouragement who has a name, Jesus. Our encouragement is only found in him, and Paul knew that. So before you can encourage others, you need to actually encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, now, that might sound weird and strange. Encourage yourself. That sounds like self-help. Well, it's not. It's what David did. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says this, verse 3, and David 
and his men came to the city. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. They were slightly sad. David's two wives also had been taken captive. I'm not going to read their names, um, but they were taken captive. And David, verse 6, was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons and daughters. So everybody around David wanted to kill him. He was discouraged. He just lost his wives. The city had been burned. At the end of verse 6, it says this, but David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You've ever been on an airplane, maybe not so much recently, but, you know, in the past, um, they always tell you that in the case of a, uh, a you know, a, the plane going down, those little oxygen masks, right? They pop down from above and they tell you, you need to put your mask on first before putting the mask on others. Why is that? It's because if you don't have oxygen and you're passed out, you're not going to be any good to anybody. Okay? That's how it is in this thing we call a walk with Jesus, this Christian life. We need to first put our oxygen masks on before we can help other people. In Philippians, actually, it says, look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. You need to feed yourself. You need to take care of yourself. You need to actually make sure that you are encouraged in the Lord before you can encourage others because you can't give, I can't give what I don't have. And the only place we can get that is from Jesus. So maybe you're watching or you're listening and you're wondering to yourself, what does it look like to encourage myself in the Lord? I, I mean, I've heard that or maybe you haven't heard that, but what does that look like practically? Well, David actually did this um, to, to use that same example all throughout the Psalms, actually. Um, he's very transparent throughout the Psalms about how he felt and what he said to God. Um, at least in, in one place, in one way, he encouraged himself by actually talking to himself. And no, he wasn't crazy. Um, in Psalm 42, verse 5, David says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's speaking to himself. He's talking to himself. And why are you in turmoil within me? So David acknowledges the condition that he's in. And then he says this, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. So David reminded himself, he preached to himself, he talked to himself and said, hey self, you're telling me that you should be discouraged. You're telling me that all hope is lost. But you know what? I'm going to talk back. And I'm going to tell you that you are going to hope in God because God doesn't change and he's faithful. And I am his child, and he's going to take care of me one way or another. So David reminded himself of what he had forgotten. So talking to yourself is a very practical way to encourage yourself in the Lord. Um, I want to just share, uh, be transparent myself. Um, my wife and I, what this looks like for us is, you know, there are often days that we have, um, as many of you have, I'm sure, um, where you get to the end of the day and you are just 
wiped out. You're discouraged, um, maybe emotionally, maybe physically. And so um, we find ourselves in that place um, often and just needing to seek God and, and be with him. And so after the kids are in bed uh, at, at night, um, we, we sit there together and we, we talk to God. We pray to him. We listen to him. We read his word. We sing to him. And it's this just fluid relationship that we have. And, and sometimes it's literally only 10 minutes or so. Uh, other times, we look up at the clock and we're like, whoa, it's two o'clock in the morning, you know? Um, we're gonna be tired tomorrow, whatever. Um, and, and the reason that is, is because we, we understand that what is said in Jeremiah 29, thir- 29, 13, verse 13 is true. God said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When we come to God, um, for, for to, to be with him, we need to have an attitude of persistence. We need to have an attitude of, of boldness that says, you know what? I'm gonna stay here as long as it takes until my burdens are lifted, until I, have, I am fully surrendered to the Lord, um, and, until I am in the place where I need to be in my heart. And so sometimes that happens in 10 minutes and sometimes it takes a long time. Um, before I was married uh, to my wife, that's what I would do. I would get my car and I would go and I would drive and I would just sit in my car for hours and I would just talk to him and I would worship and I would, I would pray and just talk to him and be with him. And I would say to him, God, I'll be here as long as it takes. God says, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you seek him, he will reward you with himself. There is no greater encouragement than finding him. And, and, and that is my heart, that even in times where I don't see him or feel him per se, I want to continue to pursue him. Reminds me of Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God all night long. He said, I am not going to leave until you bless me. And that might sound kind of self-centered, like why would Jacob do that? Is that actually a good thing? Well, when you think about it, Jacob had previously tried to get what he wanted through his own means. He, he would go and he would try to be sneaky and lie and try to get one up on his brother Esau. But God did a change in his heart. God taught Jacob to come to him, to, to his father, to God, for what he needed. So he, instead of wrestling with man, he turned into a man who wrestled with God. And we should be in that place where we wrestle with God sometimes. It's a good thing to wrestle with God, to come to God. He says, don't come sheepishly, but come boldly as a sheep to me. Wrestle with me. Talk to me. I'm not going to slap your hand if you come and you want something. I've told you to come boldly. So he invites us to come like Jacob came and wrestled. And that was then. I mean, how much more now when we have full access to the holiest of all? Um, Jesus has allowed us to come into that place with him. So at this point, um, you, you may, may be asking the question, why, why would you go on and on about encouragement? Why is it so important? Why does encouragement even matter? Well, encouragement matters way more than I think um, I know in the past I have even realized, 
Um, but there's two reasons that come to mind. Number one is found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Um, Hebrews 3.13 says, um, Encourage one another daily, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay? So, to encourage one another is to help one another be insulated from the tendency to sin. Did you hear that? Encouragement is insulation from the tendency to sin. That's what it says. It says that when we encourage one another, we are, we are helping one another veer off away from the tendency to sin. That's powerful. And, and it says, encourage one another. The frequency that's mentioned there is interesting to me because it says, encourage one another daily. Like, I don't know about you, but I forget every day what I was supposed to remember. <laughs> what I remembered yesterday might not be what I remember today. It's not because it's, we're dealing with complex subjects or concepts. It's because my heart forgets. I see what's around me. I see who's around me, and I become discouraged. And I let my emotions dictate what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling instead of letting God's truth and unchanging reality dictate what I feel and what I do. Okay, And so that's why we need to encourage one another. And Paul knew that in writing this letter. And that's why the writer of Hebrews, possibly also Paul, says, encourage one another every single day. And that's really hard to do right now. It takes extra effort. But if Paul did it with pen and paper, we can certainly do it with our phones, with Zoom calls, with YouTube, with Slack, whatever the case is. We have so much at our fingertips these days to encourage one another. It's, it's amazing. It's astounding. So encouragement is important because it, it, it helps insulate us from the tendency to sin. But it also ignites people to walk closer with God and to do more for him. Think of encouragement as gas on the fire that God has lit in our hearts. Think of encouragement as gas on the fire that God has lit in our hearts. And I'm not talking again about fluffy flattery here. Sometimes encouragement means sharing something that, that, is, that is hard to hear with someone uh, who's maybe gone off track. But it's in a spirit of, of, of just simply pointing them to God, redirecting them back to the Lord in a, in a gentle way. And that's what happens when um, someone has been encouraged by the Lord. Um, we, we, we move from that place of forgetting him to remembering him. So I can count on my, on one hand, um, how many individuals that come top of mind um, where I can say, you know what, that person is an encourager. And, and I don't say that in any shaming way, but it was, it was that way when Paul lived. Uh, in, even in Philippians, he's like, there's no one who cares about my needs except for Timothy. Like, like nobody genuinely cares except for Timothy. Like that's, that's kind of harsh. That, that's kind of a bummer to hear that, but that was the reality. And, and it's so, it's true today. And, and often I'm that person who forgets to encourage. Um, but I can't think of many people who, who are like, man, that person's an encourager. Um, and I think it's possibly because of maybe the society we live in where it's like, man, I can do it on my own. Um, and everybody's doing fine. But that's not true. 
Not everybody's doing fine. If we need encouragement daily, not everybody's doing fine. We all need to be encouraging one another. Um, so guess what that means? When you are the encourager, when you actually step out and encourage someone, it, it, it really matters because you might be the only voice of encouragement that person gets for maybe that whole year or for several months or maybe even their life. So if someone is on your heart and you've been reading in God's word or, or, or in prayer with him and, and God just puts someone on your heart to share something with, um, do it. it. It might be something that they never forget. I'm gonna give you a couple of examples from scripture. Joshua, to use him as an example again, um, Joshua was encouraged by the Lord in Joshua 1.9 when God said he was ready to, the time was to go and take the promised land, God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God be, will be with you wherever you go. So God here is encouraging Joshua when he was in a place of fear. But before that even happened, years before, in Numbers chapter 13, um, there was a man who encouraged Joshua. And I would dare say that Joshua would never have been the man he was if, there wasn't, if it wasn't for somebody else. Someone who we often forget and actually I think is misunderstood actually what happened in the story of the, the 12 spies that went into the promised land. Remember Moses, he told the spies to go and, and spy out the land. They came back, 10 of the spies gave a bad report and two gave a good report, but there actually weren't two spies that gave a good report initially. There was only one, and his name was Caleb. In Numbers chapter 13, um, on the heels of all this bad news from the 10 spies, oh man, there's these giants and all this, all this bad news. Caleb does this. He's the only person. Moses didn't even stand up. Caleb stands up alone, and he says this in verse 30 of Numbers chapter 13. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, the land, for we are well able to overcome it. Joshua didn't stand up, Caleb did. And we see in the following chapters that because of what Caleb did, his courage, Joshua was stirred up to also have courage. We see Joshua obviously being chosen by the Lord to be the one who would, would lead the people into that promised land. So Joshua would not have been who he was if there was no Caleb. Paul, we've talked about Paul today. Paul would not be who he was. Paul would not have done what he did, I believe, if it were not for another individual. In Acts chapter 9, We've, we've seen Acts chapter 9, um, verse 26. Paul had actually just, uh, was a brand new convert. And when he had come to Jerusalem, verse 26 of Acts 9, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. So the other believers, the other Christians are saying, looking at Paul and they're saying, this guy just got finished spilling the blood of our friends and family. He hates us, and we don't really buy it. We see him out there preaching, but we don't really believe that he's genuinely a believer. But verse 27 says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road uh, he had seen the Lord. 
who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out and among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Verse 31, notice this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up or encouraged and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Okay, so Paul is rejected by other believers. One man, Barnabas, steps in, says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna believe that Paul is, is genuinely who he says he is. And because of that encouragement, Paul's ministry was able to continue and it actually helped other believers be encouraged. And it says that the church multiplied at that point. So one man's encouragement had that effect on Paul just in the short term. Later in Acts 20, it says Paul that went all around encouraging the believers in multiple cities. Acts chapter 20, verses one and two. So, so there is a massive impact that encouragement can have and does have on other believers. But sadly, uh, it's, it's rare. So, so be that person who is an encourager. If God's speaking to your heart even now, um, maybe there's someone that he's speaking to your heart about. Go and encourage them, call them, text them. I'm, uh, I'm amazed and thankful um, that God has arranged for me to, uh, to be here with you, to share with you today. Um, again, as discouragement came to me, um, really like a flood yesterday, um, God simultaneously presented an opportunity to live and experience what I have shared with you. So in discouragement, I have hopefully encouraged you. Um, and, and God, in that place, um, he meets us. He's gracious. I didn't finish the rest of Matthew chapter uh, 11, um, Verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The last two verses of that chapter say this, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus gives rest from our burdens, our labors. And I have to say, to prepare this sermon in, in 24 hours, um, it didn't really feel like work. Um, it, was, it, was, it actually felt very effortless, um, which, which, is, which is odd. Um, but it, it's kind of, what, it's really what Jesus is talking about here. Um, in the place of being burdened, um, he said, don't just come to me. Yeah, you gotta start there. You gotta you got first come so you can receive encouragement. But then he says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, yoke was, were for oxen. Oxen would put these yoke on and then they would pull something, okay? But when, when they would pull it, they would do it side by side typically. Jesus is, says, this is my yoke that I want you to take. In other words, I want you to walk in what I have for you. Ephesians chapter two. God has prepared works for us beforehand that we might walk in them. So if we're, in, if we're walking in and doing what God has already prepared for us, it's gonna be a lot easier than me just making something up. That's called striving. That's not walking. That's, that's like, that's a burden right there. Um, but Jesus says, take, first come to me, and then, and then go walk out what I have prepared for you. In other words, 
be encouraged and then encourage. So to sum up, the antidote for discouragement is to encourage. Encourage yourself in the Lord and then encourage others. So if you're down, come to Jesus. Encourage yourself. Go encourage others. First come, then go. So first seek him and then seek out someone else. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to share about the importance of encouragement. I pray, Father, that there would be more and more of us, myself included, who would encourage. Whether it's something that needs to be corrected, um, something where we are literally just having an opportunity to, to pull someone up to something more that God has for them, um, ultimately, all we're doing is just pointing them to you. We are simply just here to point people to the person, to the only one who brings true, lasting encouragement. I thank you, Jesus, that when we were still helpless, you, you reached down and, and you grabbed us and you lifted us up. You built us up. And that is, the, that, is the, that is the job of the church is to build one another up. That's what we're here for. We're here to encourage one another. So Father, where many have been disheartened, I pray that you would return to them the courage to advance your kingdom under the banner of your name in the power of your spirit. Because we cannot do anything apart from you. We don't even know what to do without you. So I pray for clarity, God. Lord, there are so many right now um, that I've been hearing about and, and talking to or who are dealing with some very heavy burdens, who are dealing with some discouragements that are that are, that are maybe unlike anything they've faced before. And so God, I just extend my hand right now to those who are in that place of, of being burdened, who are sad with what they see. And I pray, Father, that they would see you right now. I pray that you would shift their gaze and their focus, God, and what the enemy meant for evil, you would use for good. God, what has brought discouragement would actually be used as a motivational, um, uh, what, what, has, what has been a heavy stone would actually be used for momentum, God, to push them to you, to run away, God, from looking at the things that drag them down and lifting their heads to the one who is the lifter of our heads, the Psalms say. God, encourage your people. God, as I was just looking through the list of, of those who are, are represented and listening here today, those of Philippi, and just praying through them family by family, God, I just, God, I just, I just sense and I know, God, that you want to minister to your people. God, as we come and we just want to minister to you, I thank you, God, that you come and you minister to us. God, when we think it's all about us coming and washing your feet, you actually come and wash our feet. God, you give us what we don't deserve and you help us when we cannot help ourselves. So I pray as children, we would just come and say, I don't know. I don't know, this is too heavy. God, take 
And maybe it's a pebble, maybe it's a rock, maybe it's a, a, a stinking mountain that we're carrying. God, would you take those things as we come? We thank you that you are faithful to do just that. If you are one of those individuals who is discouraged or, or is just facing something that you need prayer for, um, you can share that on Slack um, under the prayer request hashtag. Uh, if you have a word of encouragement, there's, a, there's a, a, a channel or a hashtag in there where you can share that with other believers. Um, you can send a private message to myself or to Sam or for, to any other believers if you need prayer for anything. Go ahead and do that. Do it now. Um, do it today. Don't wait. Um, if you need to just get alone with the Lord, go do that. But we are here um, for one another. We are the body of Christ. Jesus' physical body is in heaven now, but he has sent his Holy Spirit that we might be the body for one another. We might be his representatives to one another. Bless you guys. I hope you have a great day. And uh, let's just worship the Lord um, some more.